0: Welcome to Managing Marketing, a weekly podcast where we sit down and talk with marketing thought leaders and experts on the issues and topics of interest to marketers and business leaders everywhere. I'm Anton Bushner with a special conversation on the rise of artificial intelligence and the impact it's having on marketing. To discuss this, I'm sitting down today with Brad Bennett. Brad is the Executive Strategy and Analytics Director at Mercer Bell in Sydney. Welcome, Brad. Thank you. Good to see you. I'm excited to hear your point of view today. Um, For those that don't know, you might want to tell us about Mercer Bell and their rise and who they are and a little bit of background on you, but I'm interested about the customer experience angle yeah. Uh, and what's evolving in artificial intelligence.
1: Yeah, sure. Um, so background quickly, Mercer Bell is a customer experience agency. Um, I think technically we were the first in this market as far as being able to even trademark that CX agency. But um, uh, yeah, what, what, what does that mean nowadays? Nowadays, that's a really big, complicated, broad church of things we do for our clients, mm. including... Um, working with aspects of AI. So that that is everything from deploying it for our clients on an ongoing basis, uh, helping uh, clients message features of artificial intelligence to their clients, and then actually building bespoke things, uh, particularly in the machine learning space, uh, for our clients on an ongoing or one-off basis. So mm. yeah. lots, of, lots of interesting stuff in that space nowadays.
0: I think stuff's the operative word, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's evolving. I'd love to know, bit About your background, you've in my research you've come through as a producer, yeah, a the level te- of technical knowledge, which te- is great, yeah, tech side of stuff. So, um, if you go give back, give us a bit of background. Right. What's your passion? What got you through to this uh, CX
1: sure, level? Right. Um, look, my personal background, um, the common thread through all the things I've done over the last 17 or so years, um, in New York and Sydney, um, the common thread's probably been technology. So, rewind back far enough, um, I was a developer, um working at uh, tech consulting agencies, uh, and then went into um, kind of cr- uh, interesting space of boutique crisis communications, mm. very strange space to be in, um, very kind of interesting, um, and that, which kind of led me to a bit more messaging influenced into the um, tech products I was making for clients, um, and then eventually made the leap into marketing uh, about 10 years ago, um, and now I'm down in, uh, yeah, Sydney, so it's doing, I guess, more of a strategy role, um, having a, a data things, but yeah. So very much infused and background in that tech, mm. um, space and, and development space. Um, but now looking at how we, uh, actually, uh, on the strategic side of how we connect, you know, our clients, products and services with their customers.
0: Yeah, I think that's, I think that's great. Cause I think, uh, when you talk to lots of different people, uh, we have people who lack strong technical knowledge, uh, but are coming through marketing, maybe through communications or maybe a traditional brand perspective. Um, others that come in through a pure data sort of window, more the, the CRM or, or a customer engagement uh, type background or data background. Um, but as the world has become so digital and we're just naturally walking out with our smartphone and, and maybe a key, if we still have keys these days, um, it's so much technology infused in, in marketing.
1: It, it is. It is. And, and, that's, and frankly, that's the, the confusing part. Right, I mean, mm-hmm. there's been endless things written about how the, the scope of the CMO has increased to now be, you know, so tech heavy. Um, you know, not most of our clients, right? The CMO has more tech bu- tech budget than the CIO mm-hmm. at this point. Um, it's an it's a hugely interesting challenge that we're that, that thing. And then when you start talking about the space of AI, um, you know, it's it's, I think that type of thing exposes one of the biggest issues we see in AI is that frankly, most people don't actually don't even know what it is. So, you know, it's very buzzy, it's cool. You can read a bit of articles about it, maybe watch a couple of YouTube videos, but like actually having anything more than a surface level understanding is where I think the biggest challenges marketers face. Yeah. Um, because when you're trying to figure out how it is possible to possibly deploy this type of tool, or this type of AI type tool or machine learning or deep learning or whatever which flavor you're going for, um, you know, it actually I think it's, the challenge is it exposes a lack of knowledge as soon as you really get into the details of what happens. Mm. And that lack of knowledge is, I think what we see as a starting point with, that we see it realized in people deploying things maybe incorrectly or using things in the wrong ways or just not realizing the full value. Um, but yeah, it's a very interesting spot. So yeah think, I, mean, I have claimed to be no expert in it. I mean I've mm. as a dabbler, I' built my own. AI is just to do very simple processes. Like, what have you built? Oh, just stuff, you know, just basic stuff to do, like character recognition and all, you know, basic stuff you can do with like neural networks on mm-hmm. um, uh, a lot of uh, image recognition and that kind of stuff.
0: But that's only just to get my own head around it yeah. you know,
1: um, and, and to be able to be able to talk to it with a bit more specificity um, um, on how it may be used and with the, what the opportunities and challenges are from a marketing perspective.
0: Yeah. Well, a market is a great for, for a buzzword and great like for, a, for a trend. Um, as we know, artificial intelligence has been around for decades mm-hmm. um, maybe the start of the computing era. Uh, if you go right back to the, to the World War II, yeah. uh, cracking the Enigma code was yep. based on some, uh, some intelligent uh, engineering. Um, and through the decades we've seen robotics obviously advance. But I think, yeah, a couple of years ago, uh, we probably saw marketing embrace the, the buzzword a little bit more, um, whether that's through chatbots, in customer service uh, or other areas. So, what what do you see as artificial intelligence? Do you have, do you have a term or do you have a, a way of looking at it? Whether it's a, through a CX lens, customer experience lens, or tell us about
1: your view. Yeah, look. I mean, um, uh, if you haven't yet, I recommend the uh, first thing to do is go uh, just Google ML vs AI as far as machine learning versus artificial intelligence, and just go to the image tab in Google, and there's a, a, a variety of just kind of standard standard academic models to actually explain yeah. what the difference of these things are, namely deep learning, machine learning, and AI, because those are subsets of each other um, to varying degrees of complexity. Um, to your next question around what the opportunity from CX is, I, I mean, what I'll try to do is, when I talk about AI, I think most business applications are still machine learning. So as a subset of AI, yeah. I, might, yeah. I might use those terms interchangeably. Sure. Generally, I'm meeting machine learning. Uh, and what, from a CX perspective, um, what we're seeing now is that it, it, um, it's, it helps probably in two major areas. One is classic stuff of, of insight-driven stuff, right? So making sense of large, complex sets of data, whether those are structured or unstructured or whatever else, but looking for those patterns that we might not be able to see in the, you know, with the human eye. Um, for example, we recently helped a client. Um, you know, over a number of years of transactional data across a variety of uh, products and services that they, they offered to their constituents, in this case it was members, it was a member organization, so mm-hmm. a non um, you know, try looking for patterns across a variety of variables uh, as to what types of uh, segments we can find in there. Because they had done their persona work and they'd done that kind of stuff you normally do when you know, build a website or whatever else. But what we found is that didn't line up to what the actual behaviors we could see in the data. And again, those behaviors were spread across 19 different variables were a bit hard to see as a human. So we, can, you know, you can deploy machine learning to pull that type of insight out. Um, it's a deeper profiling, getting it, a richer exactly, yeah. Yeah. pattern or profile,
0: I guess, based yeah, yeah. on what sounds like a lot of structured data as well. Yes, this was. At so some was. level unstructured data or was it mainly structured?
1: For in things? this particular gap, uh, example, it was it was a, a, a series of structured data sets. Thankfully, we were able to get uh, kind of transactional data over the years um, across a variety of systems and stuff that, you know, everything from learning modules to conference data to et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but I think that's the one of the major things that insight stuff machine learning is good for. And then the other one we see is, um, I guess what you see in a lot of um, the products and stuff, and the MarTech people are trying to build and deploy and find value now, which is um, still using a lot of machine learning techniques or AI, whatever they want to call it, to kind of automate those and scale a lot of the low-level tasks. And I call them low-level still because there are examples of people going above and beyond, but, you know, it's still the, the... the proof points in a lot of uh, the, in a lot of business cases still like you know send time op- optimization, yeah. um, A/B testing at scale between messaging your creative optimization, um, these types of things that you can uh, do. Um, you, some things do scale up to a bit more complexity, but there's still a lot of value to be grabbed at that level. You know, just knowing basically that kind of classic thing of you have a range of messages or range of ads and getting the right one in front of the right person at the right time, it could still be a wildly complex thing. Um, and so, a lot of machine learning can help with that type of stuff. So, more of the, the mundane, dare I say it, but production based
0: uh, part of someone's job or
1: part of the marketing work that you're doing. Yeah, well, it's, it's, it's a part that is so hard, like, it's just to scale the profiling, you know? Mm. I mean, and again, let's talk, you can talk about it on similar tech, not techniques as far as machine learning, but similar outcomes can be delivered through, you know, an Adobe stack. Uh, Google AdSense, whatever side, you know, Martech, AdTech, what do you want to do? But the Mm -hmm. idea of going, you know, using um, a couple data points and more than it'd be easy to to, a human to look at to know the difference between Anton and Brad and what things that might move us Mm -hmm. um, and might produce a commercial outcome. Um, You know, you could have a million marketers sitting in the room looking at all those data points and figuring that out or you can automate that to a degree using models to and to help to kind of, you know, we're not even in the predictive space yet. At that point, you're just actually churning through it to, to get to that um, optimization. More analytics. Exactly. Technology. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What about in the predictive space? And we've had predictive modeling
0: of, as well around for decades. Yeah. Um, but are you seeing anything around the machine learning aspect of uh, machines being able to predict a pattern or by a pattern in behavior that maybe the human eye can't simply because the data sets, as you said, are too big, whether that's unstructured or structured data. Um, are you seeing anything around that, where machines may be adding greater value to marketers to unearth better insights or better patterns?
1: Yeah, look, for us, um, as an agency, we see predicting customer behavior as the edge, as the, for, as, as the area that will matter over the next you know five plus years. Um, that is a wildly complicated thing, you know, when you move, from you know me- me- measuring onto analyzing into predicting, it's crazy complicated. Especially when you look at um, time scale. And what I mean there, it's you know to a, to a degree, you might be able to predict what somebody can click on. You might be able to predict even what somebody might pull off a shelf at a store at that moment. But to move into longer time frames, it becomes really really challenging. Um, so what do we see? Uh, we have some clients um, that are certainly using advanced predictive modeling for kind of that next best product or next best content. Um, and that can be quite complex, but those are kind of models that you can build and there's you know a lot of academic rigor behind how to get that stuff going, and that's cool. Um, and then we actually have uh, one of our clients in the, uh, can't na- I can't name it because of an NDA, but in the uh, travel space, who is on the journey of building out very complex bits of AI to do um, Next best product, and next best action across a whole variety of suites and a whole variety of offering, which um, you can imagine gets quite complex in the travel space. Um, so yeah, we think that's we think that's going to be the battleground over the next couple of years. Is mm-hmm. really getting, getting beyond that. But as off-the-shelf tools normalize current state uh, or make easy the current state, which is again that kind of um, optimization, um, measurement, ident- you know putting stuff in front of the person at the right context, right time, that stuff will become easier to use, more normal. Um, so what's the step beyond that's going, well, what's next? Yeah. If. And
0: I'm always, I'm always fascinated by anyone talking about predicting human behavior because mm. we're, we're irrational beasts yes. at, at best. Um, who was it Dan really saying, uh, we're predictably, predictably rational, yeah. irrational. So on that sense, he's saying that maybe we can be, Predictive and we can, whilst
1: we are irrational, uh, you still can predict the irrationality. Is that what you're saying? Absolutely, Actually, absolutely. We see, you know, I mean, if you look at the, a lot of the academic research behind this, what there's a whole system one, system two mind, right? And when you, when you look at that, most people make 95% of their daily decisions in the system one, irrational, emotional, uh, biased mind. You know, you, that That is the majority of our interactions with the world and the majority of our interactions with um, advertising and corporate communications. So having AI help understand, I think it's, it's super important, but we, we actually think it needs to be paired with a level of behavioral science so that you can actually start to understand um, those irrational patterns. Um, Let's take a step forward to the if I if, if a general understanding of AI is one major issue, the second major issue we always see it is um, around the control because it is one of those things where we have, we see examples of clients in, in, within certain scopes, deploying AI um, and actually getting better at measuring those irrational things customers do. Mm. Right? And again, it doesn't have to be terribly complex. That can be as simple as understanding what types of emotional triggers people use in an unconscious way to interact with ads and make purchases, that's cool. Um, but handing governance structures and the control over to those things. We always know it's what people, I think the biggest aspect of handing control over the machine and handing control over this AI black box in this kind of yeah. broader sense is less about the control, it's less, but it's more about people actually really not intuitive, intuitively understanding how irrational people actually are. Yeah. And so when these patterns are discovered by technology and are discovered by AI, they just look weird. Because if you actually think about them, they don't make any sense, but they are how you be It's behave. the way it's happening. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which I
0: think, I think gets us to, a, to the level of trust. You know, would you trust a machine to spit out some sort of finding or some sort of insight when you don't know what the working was? Yeah. With a human, you can talk about it. You can start to say, whether it's with a creative or a technologist, you can start to ask them, what was your working? How did you get to that? What was the leap you made, etc." Yeah. So you understand where a human got to. But I think one of the barriers is what you're saying is with machines, it's spitting out answers and you don't necessarily know how that machine learned to get to that answer or what it did in the black box to get to the answer, which is a little scary because then we, we lose trust in the machine, I think.
1: Yeah, it's, it's, it's a strange, pro, it's a strange um, point, you know, when you look at kind of AI development and deployment frameworks. Uh, auditability is one of the key issues because the more more complex you get, you do have to actually eventually have an audible process, particularly in certain industries. Like literally mm-hmm. depending on the message you deliver, that's a, a legal requirement. But in beyond that, it's actually um, a good um, a good practice just because somebody's gonna ask eventually and it's nice to actually have was like, I guess, the receipt at the end of the decision, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So you can actually prove why I did something. Yeah. Bring it back to the work you're doing, um,
0: what, what are you talking about with clients? name specific ones, Mm -hmm. but what are you seeing from, from the agency client relationship point of view around AI, Uh, are you seeing
1: hurdles, opportunities? What's some of the
0: conversations?
1: Yeah. I mean, what what we're seeing now is we see a lot of, um, again, rooted in this kind of lack of understanding thing I mentioned, um, a variety of expectations and approaches and let me take, so on one side of the fence, marketers are like really comfortable with AI. Right? Just like, like general humans, in the right yeah. context, are super comfortable with AI, right? General humans, we absolutely expect Netflix to know what's next. We absolutely expect Spotify to know. We are absolutely expect Google and Amazon and all these companies to literally, you know, do that. And that's really complex stuff. And so, and then on the marketing side, we totally expect You know a similar AI to be deployed by Google to optimize our digital advertising and Facebook and all that kind of stuff. So once that we're kind of totally used to it and we can see how that works and you know to a degree people good marketers are structuring their testing and optimizing and creative and all kind of fun stuff. Um, And then so we see that, but but then on the other side of the fence there is uh, a bit of a. reticence around building your own stuff for value and the, and the value to see off that and there's kind of a, a lack of understanding about how you actually get that done so we, we we've had instances where we've actually like for example created machine learning models and stuff and realized that, like well they actually will get the greatest outcome for our clients it doesn't have to become even part of the sales process for the services we're offering mm. um, because it might actually confuse things and muddy the waters too much so we'd rather focus on the business outcomes and then if they ever ask we can talk about some of the you know the tools behind the uh, the, behind the curtain, um, we're also seeing as this, another point here. Uh, outside of the Googles and Facebooks, which are a bit more kind of you know supremely productized, people deploying AI for the wrong things. Um, and frankly, we see that a lot in the mar- martech space. Right? Mm. They may have been sold something um, uh, by a martech vendor, um, but their ability to, to use that and actually apply an out of the box AI solution to their business needs. Yeah, there's a big gap between that and reality. You know what they were sold and what reality is. Yeah. Um, and, so, and that becomes a really interesting conversation to have because it's usually you know, two years ago somebody made it. They're standing up a big new Martech stack, and now they're going, okay, cool. Now it's on our roadmap. Now we're going to get to the advanced part and turn on the AI. And you're like, well, just work. Yeah, it, it just, just works. Yeah, it just work. Somehow it just magically delivers value, and you're like, well, there's actually a lot of complexity. There's a lot of whether it be custom configuration or off-platform work or whatever you've got to do. <laughs> even just data massaging to get something so it's structured in a way that the AI can learn from. There's a whole level of complexity that I don't think, you know, people are getting weird, right? After years and years of dealing with all the other tech issues, you've got this other super complicated thing that's popping on top now. Um, and so, yeah, so we are helping clients work through that to a degree. Um, so, so to that point yeah. is,
0: is there a capability gap whether that be an agency or, or with marketers um, yeah.
1: that's missing? I, I, I think it's capability gap in the market. You know, so, yes, it's huge capability gap, and we're all going for the same folks, right? So, and the, because this is also a strange space that requires lots of different types of technolo- um, uh, skills, mm-hmm. right? so you've got to have, of course, at some point, the coders, um, the developers, and that overlaps to a degree with the data folks. That overlaps, and then that, of course, runs into all the other types of you know, techie type folks you're going to need, whether it be um, architects and whatever else. So, it's, very, it's a very strange but specialized area. That that and yeah, and clients are trying to keep that in house because they re, the smart ones realize the value they can get out of that. They don't want to outsource mm. that value. Agencies are trying to get that because if they get those smart folks, they can sell, they can sell them endlessly to clients. Mm-hmm. And frankly, just we don't have seem to have enough people in the Australian market. Mm. Um, when we look at, and I'll give you an example of that, like um, our data team internally are the ones that look after some AI products, whether it be deploying it for clients or building our own machine learning models and Propensity models, the entire team was born overseas somewhere. Mm. So we have a, and as you can tell, you my my accent, you know. I think my actually sounds like it's New Yorker. Is that yeah, right? yeah, it's from New York. Yeah, but yeah, actually, let's be clear. My entire analytics and strategy department was born overseas. Just and and that's only through the choice of just finding the right people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I think as we as we see
0: the tech giants come on, we've seen the Googles, the Facebooks, the Adobe's, the others. Hmm. Um, Salesforce, et cetera, as they, I guess, take the lead and have taken the lead through this digital era, um, they've probably skewed the conversation for business, probably too heavily towards tech. And as you say, it's the tech stuff that's now put in, but then what do you do with it? Exactly. And especially if you're talking customer experiences, it's only as good as the customer, customer's experience. And then from a marketer or an agency, you're trying to map that experience and you're trying to catch, capture data, at data points to try and tell the whole story. To then predict the next piece of behaviour. Exactly. Um, now, if that doesn't all join up, which we all know is one of the biggest problems, uh, that systems don't talk to each other and the data doesn't flow,
1: data becomes dirty, we can't tell the whole story. The whole thing starts to break down. Yeah, exactly. So, often, you know, you still go to big conferences and whether it be run, you know, about this kind of stuff, you know, um, and there is there's still so much focus on the implementation, the technology, and it just. Yeah. You look at the outputs and the years of work that go into these things, and what you need, what sometimes you get, you know, an email, a banner. Yeah. And it's so from a human's perspective lame, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I think that's another huge opportunity is yeah to have like to move past this stuff and not just try to automate a single channel, not just try to automate a couple minor touch points, but actually deliver something that's you know when you put your again put your human hat on actually matters. Yeah. Um, in the short term, there's probably still a bit of uh, value to be extracted using, you know, machine learning, AI, whatever else, to to coordinate some sort of, you know, more mundane channels, more mundane interactions with the customer. But we got to keep that as the forefront. At least that's got to be our our goal. Like we got to be able to sell something in an emotional sense and you know, great sense and, and just create, you know, I guess those brilliant customer experiences that really yeah. get people to like your company. You know, yeah, get deeper, deeper love, <laughs> laugh, deeper engagement, yeah, deep advocacy, yeah. Um, what
0: about measurement? What are you, what are you seeing around uh, either return on artificial intelligence? I get another buzzword into the lexicon, the yeah. L-A-E. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, is anyone talking about return on artificial intelligence or return on machine learning or return on tech investment? Uh, or is it still grounded in real customer metrics?
1: Um, yeah, I think we're seeing both sides. That's part of what We see a lot of business cases come out and we've helped clients write those and kind of develop those for internally as far as what is expected. Um, and they do have to be rooted in something, particularly because there's still a lot of investment behind this. Um, you know, the, uh, again, outside of the Googles and Facebooks and stuff that you can that are actually becoming quite cheap and normalized, and you know, every cafe across the street has access to some pretty powerful tools out there. If you're building your custom stuff, whether it be through a Martech stack or purpose-built propensity models in your own platform, where it's going to be, um, there's just a lot of investment there uh, because the tech is new. Uh, it's specialized, um, it hasn't come down in cost yet, and this kind of stuff. So, um, people do still, somewhere along the way will still talk about the return. The trick is that there's not a lot of you know, standard things. You gotta kind of infer value in a lot of cases, set metrics that are pro- you know, probabilistic instead of guaranteed. Um, it can, becomes quite challenging. Um, and yeah, we, we, we have seen a handful of clients that still um, uh, have stalled on certain aspects of AI projects just given the uncertainty of the return or the, um, the, value, the value of the initial investment required. Yeah. Or was value ever defined yeah. up front? Yeah. Having look like, at the end of the day, you're trying, and that's the thing too, because like sometimes, for example, you know, you can build a propensity model. Great. Really mm-hmm. useful thing as far as segmentation and on that, but like that might be part of an, a, a, a complex um, customer journey resulting mm. in a stay. Right. And so while that might inform insights or automate some portion of the customer journey, again, it's classic a classic attribution issue, where how do you take that mm. insight and actually attribute a sale to it, attribute a financial outcome. Um, and that's where it becomes really difficult if you're doing anything beyond, again, bottom funnel type work, with this yeah, yeah. which, which again, when you're not doing that, when you're moving further away from the purchase, that's actually where these things can really sing and really play a lot of value. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's the same challenge really that all
0: digital has had, whether it's digital media or social media, as it rose up, um, it just became shiny. So it didn't necessarily need a business case, um, and we're seeing the same, I think, in artificial intelligence. Um, As you say, it's a very broad broad church of of ideas, but things like chatbots, you know, for customer service, is a chatbot a good idea or a bad idea? Um, You could argue it's a good idea, but then the metrics below that. Is it trying to reduce call times? Is it trying to improve call experience? Yeah. Is it actually trying to increase call time and make it a better experience. And you know, whatever the the metric is, um, the challenge and all that, all of that is deciding
1: what you're trying to achieve. What's the objective? Exactly. Exactly. It's got to be rooted in that kind of stuff. I think it's funny, actually. One one um, uh, chatbot uh, I, did, I worked on a while ago um, was very interesting in the fact that, like, for its industry. Was, so, was just relatively new. Mm-hmm. So the actual metrics attached to it were, were awareness and engagement level stuff. Yeah. Which I thought was really fascinating yeah. I realized yeah. it, it was actually a reason to like go to market and talk to people in a B2B, this is a B2B play. Yeah. Um, in the background there was stuff around, of course, reducing call volume and having 24 hour service and that kind of stuff. But the real play was actually the fact that it just actually supercharged the whole communications plan. which so that was quite um, interesting way of looking at it. Um, well, it's a part of people's brand. Yeah, exactly. They were first to market it. It yeah. showed that they were kind of a tech leader in the space yeah. um, in a, in a uh, relatively traditional kind of um, state B2B play. Um, yeah, yeah, so it gave them like a little bit of a shiny badge, which is kind of interesting. And we've seen plenty of disasters in chatbots okay.
0: space as well. Yeah. Like getting the text wrong and you know, very early days in trying to interpret human text and yeah, what yeah, people yeah. Meant behind
1: it. There's all this horror story. Yeah, you know what? I mean, like chat, chatbots and I guess broadly even just that kind of um, uh, anything wrong with, you know, semantics or, or, or verbal recognition or text recognition or whatever it's going to be. Um, you know, you look at those. I always love watching those Gartner hype cycles, mm-hmm. right? You know, mm-hmm. probably everyone who listens to this is probably aware of those. Or I was chatting with Nick Mercer, our chairman, last night. You know, I get excited when something goes down to the trough of, of disillusionment. yeah, Because that means that's that's when there's the maximum value left to extract. <laughs> right? Because like a lot of the stuff, if it does play out and get to the plateau of enlightenment, yeah, right, yeah. You, you've got, now you're at a position where if you start doing it at that point, you've got value, yeah. you know, where, where you're not overpaying, you're not overpromising at the top of the um, curve. Um, and I think, yeah, some things, certainly like chatbots and some a- aspects of the AI world are probably sitting in that. The trough. Yeah, the trough Yeah, <laughs> right the, t- the trough. Yeah. Uh,
0: let, let's keep in the trough <laughs> for a moment. Yeah. Uh,
1: what are some of the failings or some of the hurdles, obstacles? Yeah, touch on a couple. Yeah, touch on a couple. I mean, look, one what, what of the classic things we see right now is the, um, again, that, we have this simple, is in our in some of our sales decks, it's that classic stuff of you were showing a quick chart that you were you were promised and sold a couple of years ago. This value was something that might have an AI built into it, and you're only realizing this value out of it. Right? Yeah. So how do you close that and build that up? Um, and that's so that's one of the big failings right now. I think one of the... Um, I guess I'll still go back to that very first point about the lack of understanding. It's also, this is, it's complex. Mm-hmm. And it's, because it's the big failure I see, and the fundamental failure is the lack of understanding of it. It actually inhibits even business conversations around it. Right? like I don't say you have to have like a deep intimate knowledge of exactly how neural networks work to understand business implications mm-hmm. but because there's such a lack of understanding it's actually hard to even discuss the business implications and to your point earlier what do I mean by that it's actually hard to understand what's re- what's even realistic in a general scope of things as far as how we can provide value what kind of value what we're, we're, you know general use cases for extracting value with these types of technologies and that kind of stuff mm-hmm. so that's a huge thing um, as far as one of the big pitfalls um, Let's not stay in the trough too long. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure our listeners want to
0: hear about uh, some successes as well. Yeah. Um, can you pinpoint one example where you've seen a great success, or at least in the right direction, right what you're trying to achieve? Yeah,
1: look, um, like I said, they, uh, my travel client, um, who's on the journey of a very amazing um, homegrown AI mm-hmm. that, is going to co- that is being designed to coordinate a number of customer-facing activities across the organization, um, is... Deployed under certain use cases now and seeing some business value, which is great. And so they're they're on the they're on the multi-year journey of rolling that across a whole variety of things, um, and uh, that's that's interesting. Now, I mean, to be clear, there you're talking months and months and dozens and dozens of people with in This it wasn't yeah. just the five-person team that did this over a quarter. You're talking, you know, multi-year processes, you know, eighty plus people. But but they're going to. But their business model, and their plan is. You know, millions upon millions of dollars of value that they're gonna be extracting from that. So that's pretty cool and that's very interesting. And it's actually quite frankly it's kind of cool that we have such a great like Australian homegrown version. Yeah. Um, there'll be more in the press I think the next, uh, through the end of the year about what, what that, who that might actually be. Um, right. And then we see, you know, and then like I said, there's more controlled versions. Again, it's that classic stuff of using um, uh, interesting ML models for, you know, advanced segmentation that informs um, corporate strategy and how we go to market and that can drive incremental revenue. That stuff also works too. So you don't have to get super complex if you don't, um, for certain use cases. And who's driving it on the, on
0: the marketer's side? Are you seeing it rooted in the marketing department or is it coming out of the IT department? Where, where are you seeing the discussion internally?
1: Yeah, um, we still see it originating in marketing um, at this point, I think just because it's kind of, it still takes a bit of a, um, a visionary, mm-hmm. right? To deploy these things properly. Um, somebody to, to understand what's potential to have their head wrapped around this um, again because you have to it, the process of deploying this within an organization often involves educate, educating a lot of people, um, dealing with issues of control and governance um, it's really complex, right? So you have to usually have somebody with a bit of a uh, uh, you know, a bit of a desire to make a name for themselves and, yeah. and, and, and and push that change through if you're doing it at a level of scale um, and, and those types of people tend to, to probably be a bit often more found in marketing, marketing. than IT.
0: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I think that plays to culture as well. You know, yeah. what's, what's the business's appetite
1: uh,
0: for change, firstly, and then what degree of radical change uh, in the tech space do they want to uh, jump on?
1: Yeah, well, that, I'll let us be clear, two, two of our clients, you know, while the vision for uh, an AI machine learning-type um, future originated in marketing, what quickly happened was teams were extracted out of marketing and dropped into IT to yeah. lead. Process because you still obviously need all these tech skills and stuff to do it all, and and, and so it, was, it kind of became a cross, um, a bit of a cross-functional team, which mm. kind of quite interesting. Well, it's the old agile team. Dare yeah. I Throw that word in. There you go. Um, <laughs>
0: yeah, the agile working teams, and, yeah. and we're seeing that time and time again, mm. uh, where people are hived off, whether it's out of marketing, IT, data and analytics, research, uh, in business, finance, as a as a team in a hub. Is that what you guys?
1: Um, in ask questions back. Is that what you see in your in the broader section of clients? Yeah, a lot of for? a
0: lot of clients, especially because, as you said, it's a muddy, murky area. Mm. It's not well defined. Yeah. Um, and even if you look at uh, what is intelligence in human space,
1: mm. it's
0: not clearly defined. Yep. It's still not clearly defined, apart from you know, the very specific IQ type tests. Yep. Um, what is intelligence? What is creativity? What is innovation? Uh, they're quite poorly defined mm. when you actually scratch the surface. So it's no wonder when we suddenly got to artificial intelligence, we suddenly leapt into oh, well, the machine can do this. Well, what is this? So yeah, what exactly. is creativity? How does the brain work? How do neurons connect? And how do we uh, have lateral thinking? And how do we have uh, sort of patterns found in, in unstructured, unstructured data sets that we can't normally see? Yeah. So once you're stuck it into that level, it just is so murky. Mm-hmm. Um, so many clients are hiving it off into groups and teams to say, well, you guys will work together, focus on it. Um, but quite often we're seeing it as an end point discussion rather than a clear objective which yeah. what we touched on. So okay. it's a solution to something. Let's build a chatbot. Mm. Let's do better predictive modeling. Let's do X, Y, Z, whatever that may be. Yeah. Um, with not a lot of thought around what's going to be achieved for the business obviously the obvious impact you can see, but let's focus on what the impact of the business will be. So look, that just means it's early days. Um, This whole series is about uncovering uh, what different clients are doing, what different agencies are doing, what the tech vendors are doing. And it's been fascinating because uh, I don't think anyone's cracked it, um, nor should they. It's early days in testing, it's the early days in seeing what can be achieved, Hmm. which uh, is obviously for marketers exciting. Yeah, yeah, so definitely it's one of those
1: those Wild West type spaces at the moment. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: Uh, well, good luck. Thank you. Great okay. to have a little chat. Yeah. Um, thanks for joining our Managing Marketing today. Uh, I'll just leave you, we're just out of time, I'll leave you one quick question. Okay. Um, when the robot takes over your job, what will you do?